1: Welcome to episode 383 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian. How's it going, Emil?
2: I'm good, Dan. How
1: you doing? I think you might be able to hear it in my voice. I'm <laughs> under the weather, but here's the, I mean, I guess the good news and the bad news. We're just about into week two of the league of season, and there's still two yeah. weeks left of the transfer window. But Emil, yeah. we have been treated to a rather slow news week. So it might be a quicker show than normal, but when it comes to a slow news week, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I guess if I'm a little bit under the weather, it helps us, you know, keep this condensed a little bit better, maybe. If you're gonna have a, a slow news week when you're a little under the weather, it's
2: probably a decent time for it. And the way things have swirled around this club, I mean, we talk about it. There's <laughs> there should almost just be like a, a single code word to kind of do the whole the preamble. But you know, the everything that's swirled around this club over the past couple, you know, months, years, you know, half decade, whatever. What well, kind of looks like a semi-formed squad in the midst of no existential dread or, you know, horrific drama
1: is not the worst thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's actually, I think it's fine. Well, that is the good thing, right? Because it means yeah. that for the first time in many years, Barca got their business in the transfer window done early which is yeah. usually the way to do it to keep it a, a reasonable salary. Yeah. And the reason why Barcelona have been unable in previous seasons to keep their salary structure in gear is because they've gone out and they've made a, mo- a lot of what you could call emergency signings on the final day, and you yeah. lose negotiations on the final day when you're pushing hard for these players. Yeah, That happened to them with Griezmann. It happened in January with Brathwaite. So before we get into any other discussions, let's talk about the players left to leave, right? I, I think yeah. at this point... We'll talk about the players that will be coming in and won't be coming in. But as far as the four big names that we could see leave, mm-hmm. at this point are Aubameyang, Memphis, Des, and Brothwaite. And okay. I don't put Umtiti in that list because I think he goes somewhere who, who is desperate to sign a player like him on deadline day, right? For Sure, okay. But we should start with Aubameyang because it appears that the Chelsea stuff is very much real. Mm-hmm. As of this afternoon, Chelsea are negotiating with the player. And if they can agree to it, an official bid may come Barca's way somewhere between 20, which is what Chelsea is looking at, and 30 million, which is what Barca is looking mm-hmm. at, with the caveat that Xavi does want to keep Yang around. But it seems like on the business side of things, if Alamani is discussing anything with Chelsea and they mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, you have a player whose wages are going to go way up this season and he's going to be in his, you know, an extra 30 something this year. So I would either yeah. agree this coming year we're going to take him off your hands for even 25 million euros. I mean, you immediately take that deal.
2: Yeah. You kind of have to do it. I mean, it's, you know, I didn't have overwhelmingly positive or negative feelings towards Aubameyang before he, before he came to Barca. I mean, I knew he was a, you know, he'd been a great player and, you know, whatever happened at Arsenal happened. And I've genuinely enjoyed the, the Aubameyang experience. And there's a significant part of me that that will be kind of bummed to, to see him go. If, if he does in fact leave, but yeah, I mean, this is look for all of the, the, I mean, the, the massive amount of business that's been done. You know, there's still all of this, you know, fourth economic levers and you know who knows what else. Like we are at a point of something's got to give, and you know, if you're you're gonna have to make the finances work on this, and I mean, particularly with with his wages set to to go up and and everything like that. Look, I mean, presumably he it's, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks that he has to go, but at least, you know, he's presumably enjoyed his, his time, at least a good chunk of it with Arsenal, you know, in, in London. So at least you're sending him, you know, to a big club that has champions league football in, you know, a a very desirable city where he's lived before. And, you know, like I said, presumably enjoyed himself. You know, I mean, I think you just kind of shake hands and say, you know, thank you. And, it was. I guess this was always a really good sort of friends for a season, friends for a reason type of relationship, and you know you could argue that it's been a pretty significant win for both. I mean, I think I think Obama Yang has rehabilitated his just his, I guess his image, and you know shown the image, yeah, 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 head like head. his image, and shown that he's he's still a an excellent player, and he was. He was there when Barca needed him and he was, you know, integral to to the push last year, uh, you know, down the stretch last season. And I mean, everyone kind of got what they needed out of the relationship and for it to end this way with Barca getting a, what is basically a windfall, like you said, for a, you know, a guy in his approaching his mid
1: thirties or, you know, sort of 32, 33 and he'll get paid. Well, everyone kind of, it's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Aubameyang, I the reason why I say that, yeah, he completely revitalized his image. Mm. He went from being stripped of a captaincy in a top yeah. in, in, in the UK, which puts a black mark on you. And then yeah. he goes to Barcelona and succeeds, which, when you succeed at Barcelona and Real Madrid, it kind of re reminds the world, even if Barcelona were in the shape they were last year. If you yeah. succeed at Barcelona and Real Madrid, people then say, oh, you can succeed anywhere again. It, it does completely re- uh, change yeah. who you are and who you can be. When you succeed in those in those locations. And in the case of Aubameyang, you can also tell why Xavi wants him so much. Because of the versatility we saw in the preseason on the wing. Yep. Last season, he comes in in January. is joint top scorer on the team because he pushes yeah. him the back of the net. And he's somebody that can finish in the box from Rafinha, from Dembele, who are key to Xavi's system. And yep. pushing him as a backup, of course, if another team is going to give you 25 million euros. And if another club is going to give you 25 million euros for your backup striker then, yeah, you have to take that. And it's not even backup Mm -hmm. striker, backup striker, winger, but again, all of it makes sense, too, as as I said, With as far as Xavi, as much as Xavi wanting Aubameyang to be uh, an option off his bench and to make Mm -hmm. starts as well. And the interesting point here, too, is you understand why the way Aubameyang uses space and runs into space and can be a threat in the box. I mean, it makes logical sense why Xavi has chosen Aubameyang over Memphis to buy, because, you know, it's unfortunate at this point, though, for Memphis, that it appears that his negotiations with Juve are almost off the table. And it seems like that's the kind of club he wants to go to, but that's the mm-hmm. club that he may not be able to get to. So if it is still on the table at all, as Juve are reportedly frustrated with negotiations, Memphis would be leaving Barca on a free. So Barca don't really win that in the same way that Xavi also doesn't win the whole thing with Memphis staying and Yang leaving. But from what I saw in preseason, and again, Memphis was the other joint top scorer last season, He may not like being the fifth option or sixth option we'll see about Ferran-Torres, but I think it really does create some competition between Memphis and Farron, right? Which will be the player that some days I think Xavi's going to get it right and he'll Mm -hmm. do Memphis or Farron and they'll bring him off the bench and it'll make sense or he's going to get it wrong and he'll choose the wrong one. They won't deliver and maybe that they're buried. And so Memphis might have to reevaluate in January and we'll actually see if Obamia, I mean, rather if Ousmane Dembele can stay healthy and if Ansu can stay healthy. And Because if they can, and I, I think Rafinha and Dembele and Antu and Lewandowski, those four are going to get their minutes. They're going to get their time. They're going to get their chances. Yeah, as long as they're healthy and available, I, I can't imagine those guys taking a backseat to anybody. Right. So at, at that point, we'll have to see what kind of, you know, not only form had th- those four hit, but mm-hmm. again, the fifth player being Ferran Torres or Memphis Dubai. I mean, I don't see Ferran Torres going on loan in January. So Memphis obviously would be the, the want-away player, if he is want-away now, and it, yeah. is, it is it is interesting to me that with Yang, we talk about it with these six attackers, and he wants Chavi wants to keep him around, but Memphis is just a bit too much, right? Because he wants to be the starter, so it's yeah, the one condition there.
2: Look, there's I, I haven't seen anything. I don't think he's been necessarily you know sort of aggressive and disruptive with that, but I do think you know you get the impression that Memphis does, or rather, Memphis does not fancy himself any. Version of a bit part player, you know. I mean, he's he has a stars mentality. He, you know, sees himself as a pillar of any any lineup that he's in. And look, yeah, I mean, he to should. his credit, and, and I was I was yeah, just about like, to say to I his credit,
1: card. yeah. No,
2: two year to his credit, at the early part of last year, I mean, I you know I reference this a lot, like with him specifically, but kind of during those those final you know dark throws of the end of the Kuman era he was the rock in, in attack, you know I mean? He was, and he seemed, I mean, I guess he seemed unaffected by all of the, just the utter madness that was swirling around the club and the, the team and everything like that. So, I mean, to, you know, to his credit, he's in what was a very traumatic time for, for the club. I mean, he stepped in there and was able to kind of keep his cool and, and help the, you know, he'll provide something of a rudder for the team when when they seem to have none at all. So, I mean, I understand why he might feel that way, but I don't know that that opportunity is going to actually present itself for him in this iteration of Barca.
1: Well, I think for him too. I mean, he had a reputation as a younger player to enjoy mm-hmm. some of the finer things in life and certainly with the press in the UK once again, he left Manchester sure. United needing to rehabilitate his image. And I think by and mm-hmm. large, he did that at Lyon to a certain point, right? He became yes. their yeah, guy. So. He he was an upstanding citizen. They loved him in the locker room. Mm-hmm. So then he goes back to Barcelona, and now it's your chance again to reprove it at a quote-unquote big club. And I think he has mm-hmm. kind of done that. He's kind of been the model yep. citizen, and there hasn't really been much to come out about him at all. I mean, I don't so think I've ever,
2: ever heard. I haven't read a single negative thing about him.
1: Well, not in the off-field stuff, right? Then the on-field right. stuff. It's you know, he, there's something yeah. that he can't do that he's being asked to do, and you know. Oh sure. We, we always knew as a player that he had some flaws. And again, those yeah. flaws were extrapolated under Kuman when the team just didn't have the talent that it needed or the depth that it needed and relied on him a bit too much. He right? can't be that player to be completely relied on. It's always working. Yeah. The second or third best player you have
0: right on the field. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: And keeping those dominoes kind of falling, if you will, it appears Marcus Alonso from Chelsea will be on his way once Jules Kunde is officially registered. Personal terms with Alonso have been agreed upon for months, and Chelsea will likely mm. accept a bid lower than $10 million because Alonso has one year left on his deal, and he's a 31-year-old backup at this point. Mm. So that does lead us not into any Balde conversation, because I, I kind of mentioned that on the earlier show, mm. but it leads us into, we'll say, our fun segment, which isn't a very fun mm-hmm. segment at all. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's the thing that kind of became the conversation in news this week. So it's I, I, I've mentioned what I thought of Alonzo before. I mean, I think he is the closest thing that Jodi Ava will have to a player to really push him in a mm-hmm. long, long time. But he is a 31 year old that we know exactly who he is, what he does. And I don't think kool are going to fall in love with him overnight. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be that divine answer that they want, especially in mm-hmm. an his age. And. Again, it, it, he's not going to surprise you as who he is. But with Alonso coming, as well as Roman Vega, an 18-year-old left back from Argentinos juniors coming to Barca Athletic, Alejandro Balde looks to, set to either leave on loan and follow Nico out the door. Nico going to Valencia. We'll see mm-hmm. what Balde would, to, would land. I, I would think that it would be still a Liga club because, again, the Liga clubs are going to be desperate for loans in the next two weeks because they cannot afford to buy anybody, I mean, to, no. any club in the Liga. And it could be a loan for ball day. It could also be a transfer with a buyback option with a buyback option. You could see that if he goes abroad. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, immediately was brought up the 63 million euro deal that Chelsea made early in the summer for (laughs) and the 13 million euro (laughs) deal that Man City made with Sergio Gomez. So it is also a reminder too that Alice Grimaldo will be a free transfer for some club next summer. Mm -hmm. And every genius on Twitter has constantly tried to link Grimaldo with a trip back to Barcelona. But, you know, all of that, Emil, is a bit of revisionist history. I think we can talk about each of those player by player. I'd, I'd love to do that. Kind of disproving because I, I think as I'm trying to, as I'm kind of going through this and looking at the lists and the names and stuff, and the social media mob doesn't really care too much about the player they're naming. More is that, hey, this player that could have been Jordi Alba's substitute or yeah. could have been the player to take over Jordi Alba, Barcelona didn't keep him. Regardless of who he is or what kind of profile he is or, or mm-hmm. what the ceiling may be, Right, it's all about why Jordi Alba started club, making what he does. When yeah. Barcelona did have all these other options, right? That's really the question that people are trying to answer and more than they are just going through the individuals.
2: I mean, I I will come clean. Like, I'm not of the sort of I, I'm not part of the the social media mob that you know that is kind of particularly on the Kukurea front. But you know, the when I when I saw that deal, I mean, I knew I knew he'd gone to Brighton and he was playing well, and you know. But when I saw the number and just, I was like, wait, is this the same dude who played for a bar and was, you know, like he was coming back to Barca, but the the questions did pop up in my head as like, wait, wasn't this dude here or like kind of here and hours for the taking like last year. And we decided we were good, like, you know, to either sell him or play him. So that thought did flash across my mind. And so, I mean, I guess the the biggest thing with the Jordi Alba, and who replaces him or who competes with him, who pushes him, you know, however we want to frame it, is that, I guess we can say this about a lot of the the defense, you know, bar some of the moves that have been made recently. I just, I, I feel like this is a decision or a move that the club knew or, you know, had to have known was coming at some point. I mean, just chronology. I mean, Jordi, I was getting older and, you know, like he, and it seems like there was very little put in place that was, there weren't really any reliable contingencies, I think, put in place. I mean, there were, you know, there were youth team players and there were, you know, uh, just, you know, flyers taken maybe, but nothing that ever really either panned out or was given a a long enough leash to potentially pan out. And so I think we're, this is kind of what we're left with. We're left with kicking, <laughs> kicking the Jordi Alba can down the road with a Marcos Alonso can and you know, I guess you kind of buy yourself, you know, a year or two in the meantime to hopefully unearth a
1: a viable. I mean, at the very least, viable and hopefully good to excellent left back. I mean, the Cucurella one is the punishment. Cucurella was loaned to Ibar in 2018, yeah. as you mentioned, as an 18 year old, as a 20 year old rather. Then yeah. bought by Ibar, a bar bought back by Barça, only to be mm-hmm. loaned to Adafe. Bought in 2020 by Adafe for around 11 million. Then yeah. bought by Brighton in 2021 for 17 million, and finally bought by Chelsea this month for 63 million in a deal that Todd Boley probably overpaid for. Right? We can we sure. you know he's probably a 35 to 40 million euro player, but probably yeah. 63, right? For a new ownership, for a new owner, for a, a club with a lot of money to spend, and so
2: and also a new owner that has to uh, reassure his fans that. Like, don't worry, we're not broke. Like, yeah. I might not be a but don't worry, we're still rich,
1: right? And I think Kukurea is of the other names that I'm about to get into. Kukurea mm-hmm. is, yeah, the one that clearly. I mean, we 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 can't have a conversation about Kukurea without talking about Bartomeo because it's yeah. it should be inevitably linked, right? It wasn't yeah. Barcelona's choice to, in any way, look at talent and say that that player isn't good enough. Kukurea, I mean, based on that timeline, even even the summer mm-hmm. when he was bought back by Barcelona and then resold. Mm -hmm. That's a reminder that it was all about accounting. It was all about the numbers. Cucuré was always a number. He came along at the wrong time. And even at 20, he was too valuable to Barcelona. 21, he was too valuable to Barcelona, literally as pennies on the dollar. It was a trade chip, yeah. Right, more than he was to be evaluated as a player because, again, at the time, in 2018, Jordi Alba was still in his late 20s and still had Mm -hmm. how much left to give. And unfortunately... Because also,
2: Messi was still there and the yeah. Messi, all the, you know, and, and there wasn't, you know, no one was eyeing the, no one was expecting the Messi's going to be gone. And we're suddenly going to have to to lay bare, you know, see laid bare what all of these players are without Messi kind of yeah. binding the whole thing together.
1: I mean, you also thought that around that era, a little bit beforehand, like the Lucas Dean, coming in yeah. the world to be the, the players who were bought to be the back. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Junior Firpo, or reminder too, right around the same time, was bought yeah. to be the backup. They spent close to 30 million euros, 25 million on junior Firpo, right? It was, it was
2: 27, I think. Like right. I was actually pretty excited for him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So it's revisionist history that those players, Lucas Digne, winds up being, you know, a better player than he was at Barça beyond. Yeah. And then Junior Firpo, it's been unfortunate to watch what's happening with his career. But still, yeah. the point was that we, you know, he was a young player sub 23 years old that we thought would succeed. So with Grimaldo though, you know, so Cucurella, I understand how that's the argument zinging around Cucurella, but again, I reminded that this th- that lays bare on on Bartomeu that he would have rather had gone out and spent the 25 to 30 million. But again, internally, you do wonder at the time what Ernesto Valverde thought of Cucurella, right? Cuz Ernesto Valverde yeah. wanted left backs who could defend. And Xavi, it looks like Xavi's going to want kind of the same thing. So all of these left backs they make news because they're attacking left back. Yeah. And unfortunately, Jordi Alba can still attack with the best of them, with the rest of these players. Every other person I'm going to name, Alba's attacking metrics are better than theirs, but defensively, mm-hmm. his metrics are just as bad as theirs, but they're not really, you know, great defenders either, right? Yeah. Back position. Mm-hmm. And that we argued on the earlier show in the week about the right back spot having kind of a similar problem. But so to go through it with Grimaldo, it was Luis Enrique, Barça B to Benfica in twenty sixteen mm-hmm. for three million euros. He's now twenty six. He's going to be on a free transfer next season. So you still ask questions, but you also ask questions on why some other big club also hasn't come in and right. this right. paid out for him other than the fact that Benfica always asked for for huge numbers. Mm-hmm. And then Sergio Gomez is the real wild one here, right? Mm-hmm. Only it's frustrating, sure, about the Barca part of it, but I think Barca should only be frustrated about not getting him today, not mm-hmm. beating City to his signature because he left in 2018. And I want to remind people here because it seems like those have forgotten. Again, young people mm-hmm. on social media are, weren't around Mm -hmm. for this but when he was 20 in 2018 he left as a 17 year old for a small fee from Borussia Dortmund as an attacking midfielder from Mm -hmm. Spain for the U18s U19s it was him right underneath Alba Ruiz it was that one-two combo Mm -hmm. that were going to be the future of Barcelona but of course Barcelona they're attacking midfield spots and they're even out to the wing very much taken by a guy named Lionel Messi and some Mm -hmm. others ahead as well So he goes on a loan to Wesco for two years. They went so so. Like I would tune in to try to see, you know, how Sergio Gomez is coming along. And as a, they took him from an attacking midfielder, kind of tried to make him a center midfielder. It did not take, it did not work. Mm. Then they put him out on the left wing. Didn't really work either. Again, it was so so. Like I just figured, oh, he's going (laughs) to meander somewhere in the Liga or for a long time, or he'll go to a low level Bundesliga club that'll get relegated and back up, you know, yo-yo Bundesliga club. Yeah, like he's bad. just going to be a, a guy. Yeah, and then he goes last summer, he leaves for Anderlecht for 4 million. They convert him to a left back and that's where he finds success. That's where he breaks out. Now at 23, now he's this star, right? As a left back mm-hmm. player, and then Man City swoops in. And you know, I'm also skeptical of that. I don't know if Man City swoops in because of using him as a backup left back because they do have that uh, that position available. I mean, maybe Guardiola, you know, who had not seen him when he was very little, but he did come to Barcelona in 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. So it might have been a name that Guardiola was aware of, and I think Guardiola has an idea of the Catalans that that are floating around right in world football. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Guardiola just friend of being a friend like of a the friend. yeah.
2: Well, also just being like the the absolute maniac that he is for the game. Like, right. it wouldn't surprise me if he's you know just his his version of doing nothing and unwinding is you know watching like some obscure catalan football games and you know like theorizing about those i mean yeah like i mean I'm, i just because he's gone like i don't i don't think for a moment that he's actually gone you know what i mean i mean they have all the connections at you know city football group have all the connections in Girona, which is you know an hour north of here yeah so it's he's by no means is the sort of the the Guardiola and his orbit, you know, completely sort of vacated this this part of the world.
1: Yeah, and when I went through all of these different transfers, right, I, I thought of, this is me being very, very pretentious, let so me mm-hmm. also strap in here. <laughs> I, I thought of the famous Scottish poet Robert yeah. Burns, who wrote, How I would mourn when it was torn by autumn, wild, and winter rude, mm-hmm. but I would sing on wanton wing, when youthful May it's bloom renewed. And, yeah. you know, we're sad for what could have been with all mm-hmm. of these left-backs here. And we yep. see the glorious players that they are now. But the argument for each of them as to why it didn't work out, quote-unquote, at Barcelona, isn't really about them as much as it was. Yeah,
2: he was a victim of circumstance as much as anything else. And, you know, I mean, I think there's been a lot of... Uh, and, look, a good a good portion of this was during the Bartomeu regime. So, I mean, I don't want to necessarily...
1: All of it. All, every player yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. but even this idea that, you know, I mean, so many players would be signed and, you know, like all of this money was tossed around and things like that. And it felt like so many players either, I feel like we're signed for 20 to 30 million. And I have no recollection of them ever seeing the pitch in a Barca shirt. Or if they didn't immediately hit the ground sprinting, they were buried until they could be sold at a cut rate price or, you know, loaned out somewhere. So I mean, there's no guarantee that any of these guys, you know, Cucurea even would have gotten a full fair shake at Barca. And even if we're being honest, I mean, even under the this latest Laporta administration, I mean, he's, there's been such a a movement. There's just been such uh, urgency on his part to kind of reestablish the regime and kind of show this, you know, Barca are, Barca are back. We signed big players for big fees and whatever if they had just brought Kukureya back and, you know, on a, on a fairly nominal buyback, I don't know if, and I don't want to necessarily tar him with this brush, you know, uh, Laporta, but I don't know that Kukureya would be enough of a glamour player to signify what it is that, you know, Laporta wants this, you know, this year and these next couple of years to be. I mean, we're saying that because he went to Brighton played well, you know, I mean, he, he went to Hitafe, he played well, he went to Brighton, he played well, he sufficiently impressed, he showed that he could play in England and fortunately, the most recently sold large English club has an owner who himself is trying to show that there's a new sheriff in town and, you know, so it's, the circumstances made him rich now but they also conspired against him, you know, when he might have been a Barca player.
1: Yeah, and I will say that Cucurea, Grimaldo, they were pushing in at that point with Barca B. You know, these were players that, you know, to the credit of the fan base, they knew that it was their time. It was, you know, going to be them. Mm-hmm. Because I could go through so many other names. I could say to you that, hey, what if they had popped off at some point in their professional careers mm-hmm. and they were also with the club for the last six, seven years? Like, what about,
2: yeah.
1: do you know who Enric Franquesa is? You know, that was a name I had really had to Google, but he was on mm-hmm. Barca B, ready to push into the first team in the last seven, yeah. eight years. Never did. Or Xavi Quintilla who was with Villarreal last season, and, and now he's in, in a lower division, or more Delgado. I mean, who's that, right? Yeah. And then Ignacio Villarasa, who's that? And another right. player for Barca B, another left-back option. So, and the same thing here, right, with this conversation. What happens when Juan Miranda, who is the starting left-back in all those youth and Spanish teams of Sergio Gomez, he left in 2021 to, Bar- uh, to Betis on a free transfer, and Barca will receive 40% of any future sales. So again, that yeah. was another monetary move. Yep. So he's 22 now and firmly the backup left back at Betis and not really pushing to be the starter. He is the backup. I'm mm-hmm. Amaria Sergio Akeme was also a Barca player. What if he goes mm-hmm. this year at 22 in La Liga? You know, mm-hmm. Arnaud Sola is 19, left the U19s last season and is now on loan at Real Mercia because Amaria couldn't register him because they couldn't mm-hmm. afford to. And then Villa was well thought of in the lower ranks, won the UEFA Youth League, is now 23 and playing at Andorra. Juan Larios is another one who was highly, mm. highly thought of in his youth days, a left back, then decided to sign his professional contract to join City's U18s in 2020. He's 18 now and playing with their U23s. But someday you're going to you're going to read that. You're going to add him to a list and say, I just want to keep him. Well, Barcelona did try to keep him. He asked for an outrageous number for professional mm. contract at 16. So we went to Man City, who were fully willing to pay a young cannon and will. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of Bar- I'm mean, probably Barcelona's most promising left back since it was Juan Miranda. Remember, in that generation, it was yeah. Juan Miranda more than it was more Kukurea in mm-hmm. that age bracket, right? Miranda I remember the,
2: the Juan God. Miranda, the, those yeah. dreaming on Juan Miranda.
1: And right now it's Balde. And Balde yeah. is the name. Balde is the name that I've been mentioning since I started this show five years mm-hmm. ago when he was 14, 15 years old playing at the U16 level. Level It was Balde. He got hurt for a little bit, mm-hmm. but it seems like in preseason, he's, he's coming back to it. And even at Barca Athletic, now Alex Valle, is looking good as well. And he's 18. So as much as Barcelona, they're losing out on all these academy left-backs, in the same regard, there's always an academy left-back that seems to be next. And left-back's a really hard position. If you, I mean, you, you basically, and looking across all the big major teams that are Champions League contenders, their left-backs are not theirs. Those mm-hmm. left-backs and right-backs at all these other clubs are have to be bought and brought in. Because... Yeah. Giving young players at those outside back spots in their importance in the modern game, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. So I think, I mean, oh, I'm tired of talking about left back. I'm done with that yeah. now. Um, <laughs> so we have to talk about the other side here and the right back situation. Seems like yeah. Sergio Dest, we knew he was getting pushed out. seems like he might be off to man United, but also every player this summer has been, especially after losing to Brentford the way they did, Man United is just getting linked this week with a ton of players because oh, any yeah. player can seemingly upgrade what they did last weekend. So looks like the price tag is 20 million euros for Segino Dest. Xavi said he doesn't want him, but then the backup option, if you will, Juan Foyth, that yeah. seems to be, you know, a, the defender that Xavi wants in that yeah. position who can play a ball. I talked about him and yeah. gave his profile early in the week. You know, 42 million is way too expensive for Villarreal. That's a lot of money. Yeah. But I think Barcelona are walking away from the table there. And now though, if you're going to push Dest out regardless, because again, you, it's about the money. But also, it's about the fact that Des didn't really fit with what Xavi wants. So mm-hmm. it seems like manager and club are both agreeing that hey, I don't want this player. And if if the club can sign him for twenty million, then you take it. And Des is done. And yeah. then the options we talked about early in the week not only they already dried up, but you know there's two weeks left. And now Barcelona, after they got their big money moves already done, now they're kind of scrambling. And they did yeah. wait too long, right? Again, it's vindication again for those who said that fullbacks were needed, and and they were right. And then now yeah. Bellarine, his name is being thrown about. He's got a contract to 2023. Real Betis wanted him back, but they couldn't get the money to buy him and register him, which is another sad story about La Liga. So mm-hmm. for Bellarine, another example of a player that left Barcelona, but he left all the way back in 2011 to join Arsenal's U18s, and he's still just 27. But what is that's Bellerin's... crazy. Exactly. <laughs> what is? But what did Bellarine do for you? right? What is Bellarine... Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he succeeded. Actually, not a reason why he succeeded at Real Betis, but I don't know. His level at Arsenal was good enough. His level of yeah. was good enough, but is he good enough for FC Barcelona? Again, he's still just twenty-seven. But I mean, I don't think he does what Xavi wants that position to do. I mean, I think I have a similar worry with Bellerin as I do with Sergino Dest. I mean, as an all-around player, the only difference is that Dest, in theory, is an age where he can improve. I think Bellarine is pretty set in who he is. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, like
2: I, th- I think you summed it up pretty well. I mean, Bellerin Be- is a he's a, a solid player. Like he's, he's a guy, he's a, he's a top flight player at a, you know, probably at a bigger team.
1: But, Second best fashion sense since Danny Alves. I well, you
2: know, okay. So I think, I think that's a little bit of what it is. And I, I think there's a certain sort of that, the kind of the fashion and everyone seems to like him. Apparently he's just like, he's like a fashion and vibes God. And like, <laughs> yeah. so I, I think in that sense, it, it elevates the perception of of how good he is as a player. Not that he's a bad player necessarily. or And now maybe there is some sort of intangible value that he does bring to a team. Some sort of like, you know, like a, a dressing room
1: unifier. You know what I mean?
2: Like a good, like a, a mentor, and just like a good buddy for everyone. I don't I mean, know. mean, as
1: far as like contact, I mean, as far as content and sponsorships, taking Memphis to buy and yeah. Bellarine on Las Ramblas sounds like a great idea for content. I mean, most oh, well, do right. Like even oh, sunglasses is a whole is a whole thing.
2: Oh, absolutely, and Barça absolutely need to get some points on the back end of whatever kind of social deals Hector ends up with. Exactly. Yeah, I mean this this does come back. I mean, I just i i I'm not going to go too far down this road. I'm just going to stick my toe in the water. But you know, whenever I you know, when we talk about the the left back, and obviously especially the right back situation, it absolutely crushes me that. For some reason, Danny Alves, who was willing to just, you know, basically blog for exposure here and like didn't even want the money, couldn't stick around. You know, I mean, it's just—I don't know what the options are on the on the open market. So, I mean, it really is kind of—it's varying. It's gross overpayment for for Foyth, which I mean, I don't think is a viable option. I mean, who else do you see as the 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 potential? Guys, there. If uh, if Dest is in fact out the door,
1: yeah, I mean the two names that I I think people keep coming back to is Malo Gusto from Lyon, who's I mentioned him over the summertime. Mm-hmm. His advanced metrics are exactly what Barcelona would want. Maybe not again what Xavi wants at that right back position, but as far as just a quality right mm-hmm. back he knows how to defend enough, he's going to be nineteen this year, and his attacking numbers in Lyon system, who they were not very good, but mm-hmm. he was one of their. Uh, not even best players, but he was an influential player, at right back. Good player like, yeah promising players. One of their net positives, we'll say. Okay, yeah. And then Arna Martinez for Girona. He's a versatile player, mm-hmm. he's a defensive player, center back slash right back kind of combo situation. He can play right back. He's also played a right wing back in a five back system for Girona. He was a major player to help them get promoted, in mm-hmm. um, which they did in the playoffs. So Arna Martinez, I think. Listen. Very much, uh, actually, almost the opposite of the Marcos Alonso thing on the opposite side. If you told me that Barcelona are bringing in a stopgap for just this season because they were earmarking Arna Martinez, who did play for the academy as well. So if they want to bring that academy product back, you know, they have to get him out from under the thumb of the city football group. But if they are they want to bring him back next season from Girona, especially if Girona wind up getting relegated, we'll see how they do in the league of the season. But yep. you know, that's their cash cow, that being Arna Martinez. So I totally understand getting promoted, mm-hmm. why that player was not taken from Girona this season, or even why City Football Group didn't allow him to leave this season. Yeah. Because, you know, if he performs well in the top division, that's going to triple or four times his asking price, right? Which is not good for Barcelona. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's very similar to what happened with Daphina, though. If Barcelona next summer want their man and he's their man, then they're going to go out and get him. So that's why mm-hmm. it's I don't know. Is Hector Bellerin at twenty-seven a stopgap option? I don't really think so. And then same thing with Boyth at twenty-five. I think when you sign him, you're signing him for probably a three or four year deal. So
2: well, I mean, get yeah, I mean, twenty-five. Danny it's... Alves
1: was though. Danny Alves was the stopgap that we we're talking about. It's yeah. just the stopgap for Dest, and Dest did make the improvements that wasn't important enough to, to, to become the man, right? Well, exactly.
2: Yeah. And I think putting Barry in aside for a second, I mean, when you sign a guy for and I know Barcelona aren't going to pony up the the forty million or whatever the the price is for Foyth, but you know, hypothetically, if you did, or say you decided to pay like thirty five million for a guy, you know, particularly in this market, in this in this La Liga environment, you paid thirty five million for a twenty five year old, like it would be positively asinine to be like, yeah, this is what we've done. He's just kind of he's an insurance policy for a year. And, you know, then we're we're going to move on from him when he's 26 after probably not playing him all that much and sell him for, you know, 15 to 20 million less than, than well, what we But
1: wouldn't that be the irony about Foyth? That Foyth would yeah. be like the whole argument we had about the left back spot is that even Balde, you worry about the minutes he'll get yeah Bobby Alba this year if Xavi goes mm. Alba. But yeah. on the right back, we saw Araujo in preseason and we see that even though Xavi wants him to be better on the ball to be a center back, that Xavi's yeah. like, hands are tied because of Araujo's limitations there. So yes. when you talk about right back, you are talking about arguably the starting right back. Like if it's No, Watt, that's what I mean. Or Sergio yeah. Berto, right? Like right now, Sergio Berto, again, everybody strap in. Like as excited <laughs> as that transfer window has been. And it is something special. And Koundé could yeah. also completely change this conversation as well, yes. depending on what Xavi does with, with Jules Koundé. But at the present time, the number one right-back, who is just a right-back, who can also play in midfield, but who's just a right-back, is Sergio Roberto on the depth chart. So you understand now, but yeah, the, it's surely, if you're going to question Barcelona, why did you go out and get good Jules Koundé? Well, now we know why. We know because they yeah. do a ball-playing insurance policy for Ron Araujo. That's yeah. what Jules Koundé is now because of how important Xavi finds his center-backs able to play out from the back. That's why Jules Koundé was bought, even though Andres Christensen was already around because you saw the limitations of Christensen yeah. playing the ball on the back and you also were reminded against Ryan Vicano the importance that Eric Garcia I know it's uncomfortable that he is going to have this season yeah that center back rotation so he wants his right back that being Shav, to be able to do something Foyth can do that job you know that yeah. that job he can do and he's arguably gonna be fighting for that starting right back spot now again ceiling wise are now uh, I mean Juan Foyth, I think he's already kind of touching his ceiling at this point already mm-hmm. and is that you're starting right back for the next 5 6 years. I don't think Barca cares about that. I think they're yeah. just going to try to build the best product they can this season. That's why they might be willing to spend 25 to 35. We'll see what Villarreal does. If mm. you know, they're if they're willing to bring the price down at all. I does not seem like they are. But again, like I, I think it's a pipe dream to say like, "Oh, Barcelona are planning ahead already to on Martinez next season." I don't think that's the case, right? I think that they're really going for broke this season and they're going to see yeah, what the they to is- bring in.
2: Yeah, it's the it's reestablishing. Yeah, the season is about rehabilitating the the revenue streams, and on top of that, you know, and I guess sort of hand in hand with that is this is as close as you get to kind of a you know, like you said, a go for broke season. This is they absolutely, I'm sure if you talk to them privately, probably even publicly, winning the league is probably. A must, you know, winning the Copa yeah. del Rey is probably very close to a must, well, you know, for I mean, the money. I mean, let be... me,
1: like, let, let me ask <laughs> yeah. you this: like, if for Barcelona's roster right now, like, as much mm. as we're complaining about the fullbacks and that's been mm. focused all week after what happened with Vibe Arcano, yeah. team is still talented enough to win the Liga and win Copa del Rey. Surely they're talented. I, enough. The question about the fullback spot, I
2: actually is, think they will do that too. Yeah,
1: that's what I predicted. So, yeah, but, but the problem comes in the bigger game and the more important the game right yes. there that's where the fullbacks for Barcelona aren't good enough they're yeah. still like their rotations this squad the money they spent on the players they spent I have got no issues with Lewandowski and Koundé and Rafinha and renewing Dembele like all of that makes a ton of sense and and Kessie and Kessie totally. they mm-hmm. had a you have to wait for my grades but I can tell you you know in two weeks time when this transfer window is over that this off season will have been a tremendous like the, my grades are going to be very high. I'm going to be a very easy teachers. to yeah. pass it's fail. A right? resounding
2: success. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. So I want to still say that this squad is still deep enough to win all their competitions. But but when it comes to winning the big one, right, ever, which also has mm-hmm. to do with a lot of luck. But as far as being a completely dominant force and and not having any issues, not having any stumbling blocks along the way, the fullback spots aren't good enough. Right. Like yeah. that's and, and that's the reality of this season. You know, but I still don't think that this we're gonna we should question this offseason at all. Like, yes, Barcelona should go, have gone out and gone for fullbacks. Yes, but also looking at the market, looking at the price that Kukurea was just sold for, Barcelona very much used their 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 money wisely. They they got Jules hmm. Kounde for almost twenty million less than Mark yeah. I mean, that's what the fullback market is at, and I think that's a really important part of this conversation. In the same way that this Bernardo Silva stuff. It died very quickly in almost a day because City's mm-hmm. price tag is ninety to one hundred million. And not only if Frankie De Young is staying, like that's a mm-hmm. huge part of that, of course. But yeah, anyway, of course. Frankie but... De Young was gone, paying City ninety to one hundred million euros for Bernardo Silva. When looking at the rest of the midfield, I think Barcelona is really asking difficult questions of themselves if Frankie were to leave. So you yeah. have Frankie De Young, you're going to have to pay him anyway. So that's where we're at, right? And I think this week, as far as the transfers and stuff. I think it is really quiet. Like we're talking about the fullbacks because that's what the chubby wants. But other than that, things have gone quiet to the point where now we're talking about Messi returning in 2023 again. So that's yeah. where we are with the news this week because you know, and it kind of indicates how the Bernardo Silva stuff has, you know, all but died down. Right? We'll see him in a, in a friendly next Wednesday uh, for yep. ALS. Uh, but that's all the that Barcelona will see of Bernardo Silva this season. Again, the Messi returning in 2023 thing is, is something that we'll have to we'll have to think about in the summertime or we'll have to think about in January or some other time, but, uh, hey, I'm yeah, probably story starting. Story. Yeah. I'll probably starting in February. Once the January window closes, we can kind of, we sure. can obsess over that. Well, as Mbappe continues mm-hmm. to descend into, uh, I don't know. Uh, what is that? The ego and the id and just really get him oh, yeah. uh, locked into, uh, yeah, locked into a, a smear campaign against his character. But again, if you, if you push or bump into the, a goat like that well that's what happens to you but
2: yeah it's um, wild how like yeah. how quickly it's careened with him but you know that's a different conversation for another day but man it really you know he bought in he he's really like he really bought in hand over fist on uh, yeah. himself
1: well that's been <laughs> the fun thing about this week as Barcelona I haven't really been too much in the headlines after all their financials yeah. The, the world has turned to Mbappe and PSG and Man United. So let's keep it that way for another week. Let's let's see. this yeah, right? great. <laughs> On the road. While there is no Busquets, it's Sunday against we also see a dad go take business, go and take care of business, just like you did the start of last season, get the three points. Then people won't really be talking about Barcelona much, except for oh this look how good they are this is going to work out this season so and i'll wrap up another edition of the show so yeah i sounded pretty poor but we got through it emil so thank you so much thanks to you listeners again patreon youtube the merch store facebook twitter instagram you know where to find us thanks so much for listening to the show until next time we'll talk to you soon force of Barca.
2: feel better man force of barça